Welcome. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm so excited to be here. In 2015, I founded the Queer Improv Show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it, and it is now one of the longest running queer improv shows in New York City. During the show, our storytellers share their coming out stories, and then our improvisers bring them to life. Our podcast is a little different. We still have a storyteller share their stories, but instead of folks improvising, we talk about them. Uh, and today's episode is different in another way uh, because we are recording during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, which means um, that we are socially distancing or physically distancing from each other. So we're not in our studios. We don't have our regular equipment. So our sound, our audio might be a little different than what you're used to. Uh, you might hear um, sirens or cars honking. So we're just doing the best we can with what we have, but we appreciate you listening. So I am very, very excited about our incredible guest with us today, um, whose new solo album dropped in January um, called Butch. Uh, we have Meg Tui. She, her, hers. Hi, Meg. Yay. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm, what a question, right? I'm okay. Yeah, I know. I know. Everybody's yeah. doing okay for the most part right now. Yeah, hanging in. It's a crazy, wacky world we're living in. Yeah, it really, yeah. it really is. Um, what have you been doing um, to kind of keep, to keep going, I guess is the way to ask it. I mean, honestly, I've been doing so many projects. It's, it's actually, I should start like my own HTV show because, um, I have built a deck in my backyard right now. I'm building a ISO booth for recordings for my recording studio, um, that you can fit drums in so that I can play drums and not upset my neighbors who are usually gone like most of the day and go away on the weekends and sort of things like that. So um, I'm just keeping busy doing that and doing other stuff that I love, like uh, besides making music, cooking a lot and mm -hmm. uh, trying recipes, spending time with my family. Um, we're lucky here because my partner and I and our 10-year-old are quarantined um, with her, the 10-year-old's dad. So he lives right down the street from us. So it's really great that we have another person mm -hmm. uh, and a person that she can go back and forth between his house and our house. And then on top of that, we have a wonderful neighborhood with lots of um, incredible community where people are doing shopping for one another. And oh, wow. the kids are all the, there's like four kids that we've decided to quarantine as families together outside so that they can play together outside, not inside, but. So it's good. I mean, it could be a lot. It could be a lot worse. We could have it a lot, you know, worse than what we have it. Yeah. How we have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear that you have all of the, so many people that you can like see, you know, I've only seen like my roommate and then my friend like a few times. Yeah. And, and socially distant the whole time. And it's like, ah, so it's nice that you have more people. Totally. It takes a village. It takes mm -hmm. a village. Yeah. Um, okay, so to start us off, um, I asked you to find something uh, that reminds you of pride. So I'm curious what you brought. Um, well, I just have on my desk, I have this pouch. Yes. That 
is filled with all different things at different times, but right now it's filled with guitar picks. But um, my partner got me this as a birthday gift. Amazing. And it says, I am gay as fuck, which is yes. amazing. Yeah, it's just a pouch. Um, so I have a joke about that from the stand-up that I used to do. So the stand-up, this was probably six or more years, no, no, probably eight years ago. I opened up my stand-up set with, thank you for coming out. And then was like, no one ever thanked me when I came out, um, which is kind of like how, thank you for coming. It actually is exactly how thank you for coming out got its name was from that stand-up set. But then it's like, no one ever thanked me when I came out. When I came out, people were like, oh, you're gay. Well, how gay are you? And my response was, in the stand-up was, as fuck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that patch resonates very much so with me. <laughs> it happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. If we're lucky, <laughs> I guess, right? Yeah, I would say yeah. so. Um, and my quick item that I brought is this. Um, it's a hat with the Chicago Cubs logo in rainbow embroidery. Mm. Um, and my sister and brother-in-law got it for me when my niece was born, Harper. Um, it's like my unky hat. Um, and so it reminds me. Um, to keep showing up authentically in the world and to keep being myself. Um, so there's more visibility and representation for Harper when she's growing up. So that's, that's my little piece. Nice. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. All right. So Meg, we all have multiple coming out stories, of course, and uh, we would love to hear one of yours. One of mine. Well, there is only, well, that's not true. There's plenty of them, but the main one um, I guess between just realizing like, oh, wow, there's something different about me uh, than my girlfriends that were not real girlfriends. They were they're my fake girlfriends uh, that I had in high school that were all like boy crazy and mm-hmm. lots of different boyfriends. And I was always kind of trying to have boyfriends because they had boyfriends and um, trying to have boyfriends that wanted to hang out with their boyfriends so that we could all hang out together and, you know, spend a lot of time together. Um, but when I got to college, I immediately arrived at Berkeley College of Music and I saw this girl and I was like, who is that? What is, I don't even know what's happening to me. And um, I met like just as I saw her walking, she had this like crazy mane of curly, like dirty blonde hair and this like banana color leather jacket and a paisley mm. shirt. And she just, she was so cool. She was like smoking a cigarette, walking down the street with her guitar on her back. And I just was like staring at her. Like, I can't believe, like, she's so cool. Like, wow. And then immediately following that, um, this guy came up to me and asked me out and I was just like, huh, what's happening? But I went out with them anyway, cause I didn't really know anybody. And he's, he said, oh, so what do you play? And I said, I play guitar. And he said, well, you should be in my band. You should be in my band. I have this awesome band with this, this girl, Angie, you're going to love her. She's like, you guys have the same vibe. Like you guys, you guys are going to get along great. And so I, I dated him for, uh, I went out on a few more dates with him and he kept talking about like, let's get together, let's play some music. And so finally, it was the day where I, you know, got to play music um, with this new band and I saw that same girl walking down the street and she was walking and, and I was standing in front of the school, what they call the Berkeley Beach, where everybody used to hang out and 
back in the day when everybody smoked cigarettes, smoked cigarettes and, 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 um, you know, look like cool musicians on the Berkeley beach. Mm -hmm. And she just, I just saw her and I was like getting nervous as she was walking toward me. And I was hearing Tommy, the, the drummer, talk to me the whole time. And he was like talking at me. And I was just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, she kept walking. And then she stopped right in, in front of us. And Tommy was like, hey, Meg, this is Ange. And it turned out that she was like the lead singer of the band. No way. And she took her cigarette and she took a drag and she flicked it up onto the street and she just looked at me and she said I knew it was gonna be you and walked away <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and like and then I was in love like immediately I was like oh my gosh I think something's different about me um so I fell in love my, my first girlfriend I had in college um my very first like couple of weeks of getting to college I basically met her fell in love figured out once, once I found out that she was a lesbian, you know, people kept saying like, oh yeah, Angie's a lesbian. She's gay. But I was just like, wait, <laughs> what? No, what? Like, I didn't get it, but I always, you know, then all these like memories started flooding back to me of like, oh, maybe I'm a lesbian. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I am. Um, and then, you know, we fell in love and then I had a pretty rough time of the coming out, um, with the, the family and, uh, mm, it was not pleasant or pretty, but I will say that a, it was a massive evolution on my parents end, and ultimately, um, they wholeheartedly embraced my lifestyle and supported me and you know it, it took many 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 years mm -hmm. to sort of it not be like oh I just wish that you you know would get married and have a life with a man because a, a life as a gay person is so hard and it was all about like it was never about them not loving me for who I was it was all about like them worrying about what other people were going to think of me and mm -hmm. then they they realized like nothing had really changed about the way that my friends loved me and you know they uh, ultimately they hated my first girlfriend mm. <laughs> she was pretty terrible I mean <laughs> to begin with but um she was a tough she was like a bruiser you know and mm. I was like this little innocent dove that had never like done anything wrong in my life and then all of a sudden I shaved my head and I was a lesbian that you know <laughs> uh, was like running off to uh, be with her on the weekends. Um, anyway, yeah, it was it was a doozy of a of a time. I think also because I came out in 1994, when things were a lot different um, in society's views of gay people, and uh, you know, it was all about protection from my family's end. But ultimately, you know, I I married a woman. <laughs> I got divorced from a woman I'm now engaged to a woman like you know things 20 somewhat years later it's nothing has changed about me but everything's changed about the way my parents have um you know sort of embraced and and been uh it's it's been inspiring to see older people really like 
be capable of of changing all of their ideas about what their children, you know, what they see for their children, and then you know being so proud of me and and loving me for who I am, which is you know. I can't fault them for having a hard time with it to begin with at all, because mm-hmm. I think that, you know, we're all given lessons in our life. And I think maybe I was a big, big one for them. Um, but they're, they're pretty amazing. I'm pretty, I'm very lucky to have an incredible um, amount of support from my family on everything I do in my life. So that helps. That's amazing. Thank you yeah. for sharing. Yeah. So I'm just like, so many things that I want to like pull out of that and talk about with you. Um, sure. So the, my first image is Ange is Sandy from Greece with yeah. like the leather jacket and like flicking the cigarette and just being like, tell me about it stud, but being like, I knew it was going to be you. Stud. Yeah. You know what it I mean? was like, awesome. It was awesome. It was hell. <laughs> it was absolute hell. She put me through hell. Cause honestly I had had boyfriends before, but I never really took any of the relationship seriously and I never like felt like crushed you know I never felt really in love before mm-hmm. and um she crushed me like mm. absolutely destroyed me so I was going through stuff at you know 18 or 17 that a lot of people had gone through earlier in life mm-hmm. um so that was an interesting experience in college to have <laughs> Yeah, I went through my first um like real heartbreak uh in college. I was a senior. Yeah. Um and yeah, cuz I think you know we come out later in life and so it's almost like a second adolescence. It's like we're doing it later totally. than everyone else had a chance to do it. Totally. And it was so funny because I, you know, I hadn't had a lot of luck with guys. Like, you know, I got I I was going out with a guy during prom. Um, and he asked somebody else, another girl to the prom. So oh, I, no. I had, I had to go to the prom with like one of my mom, my mom's a, a teacher and I had to go to the prom with one of her students because all the other like guys that I would have gone with had already asked other people, but I just assumed I was going to be asked by the guy that I was going out with. Yeah. So <laughs> let's just say I didn't have a lot of luck with the guys, but then all of a sudden, like when I started embracing my sexuality, I was like on fire. Mm-hmm. I was like the hot you know, num- new, new number in town. And I was just like, I loved it. It was, it felt like such like, oh, okay. I, it was never about me. It was, all, it, you know, it was always, I was just with the wrong people. I wasn't with my people, you know? Yeah. Well, and I love, I love too that idea of like, once you, once you embrace your authenticity and you embrace who you are, Mm-hmm. You start to see the world in a different way and the world sees you in a different way. Totally. And totally. It's just like, it's so cool to have that idea affirmed in so many different ways with you and other guests. And, yeah. you know, it's just, it's a neat, it's neat. It's super neat. Yeah. It's the neatest. <laughs> it is the neatest. Yeah, it is. Neato burrito. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, okay. The other thing that is kind of blowing my mind a little bit too, and this this also happens with a lot of my guests, it's like, the first person they meet, they date. It's yeah. like, how does that happen? That does not happen to me. <laughs> like, well, I think that a lot of times in, well, at least when I'm, I'm 43 years old and when, when I was growing up, there was like one girl that was like the lesbian in high school and mm-hmm. everybody was like, oh, well, she's the les, you know, like it wasn't a cool thing. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Yeah. And now like, you know, 
my 10 year old is like, Oh, they're, uh, they're, that's my trans friend or what? Like, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> like, that's so incredible that it's so different. It's just so different. If, if I had had the, an, an inkling that I could be interested in girls in that way, um, back in high school, I for sure would have realized I mean, I, I knew, I always knew, I just kind of like, it took me meeting an actual real life mm-hmm. <laughs> possibility to kind of explore that world. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you, you had said in your story, like when Ange said, I knew it was going to be you and walked away, flicked your cigarette. Yeah. Um, you said that memories started flooding and that you, maybe you were a lesbian. Yeah. Um, what kind of memories were flooding and is that part of what your ring of keys moment or I would love to dig more into that piece. Yeah. Okay. So I think what I just realized was uh, there were, there were moments, you know, I don't know if you ever saw that the real life Brady Bunch movie or the a very Brady movie. And there's this scene where one of Marsha's friends like, has a sleepover with her mm-hmm. and like sleeps in the same <laughs> sleeps in the same bed with her and is like mm, something's happening. Yeah, that I mean that scenario on count, countless times would happen to me in high, high school or just being like obsessed with a, a friend mm-hmm. that I like I never necessarily saw them sexually because I don't think I was like aware of myself in that way at that time. But like I was just like I didn't know. It was. It wasn't a. I want to be her. Mm-hmm. It was like I need to be near her. I mm-hmm. need to like know everything about her. I like want her. Like, why isn't she writing me back? Like, why? Yeah. Isn't she, you know, it was. It was obsessive kind of behavior for sure. And not. It wasn't unhealthy by any means. It was. It was just a healthy curiosity of like, really like, you know, developing that those feelings of oh wow, I I like this person way more than I like anyone else like i just watched that um great netflix series the um about the superhero girl did you see that one it's called seen it yet um thanks what's it called i'm gonna look it up right now as i'm talking to you um but there's this great series on netflix now called i am not okay with this and it's about this girl um that has superpowers but she realizes that she's gay too like during mm. like this time when she's having all these feelings and these feelings trigger her superpowers mm. and uh and uh yeah it's pretty it's a it's a great series if anybody's interested in checking it out yeah, i'm not definitely. okay with this it's awesome i definitely want to check that but out. that that feeling like you know she was at a party and the girl that she was best friends with you know had a boyfriend and something didn't feel right about that or you know I used to, my friends always used to say to me, all my, uh, the girls that I would hang out with would say like, Meg, you would make the best boyfriend, Mm. you know, like constantly to me, constantly. I was always walking them, you know, home from school and carrying their stuff. And like, it's just how I always, I always identified way more masculine than what I was able to um, present myself as when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, my mom and my grandma loved to like, take me to Ann Taylor and like buy me these things that I would just be like, okay, I guess I'll wear this because I don't have my own identity. So when I was able to kind of get outside of that small town world um, and my very loving family that just wanted the best things for me, 
it wasn't, we just didn't want the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I remember like, I'm just thinking about like the clothes that I wore and it was always such a battle with my parents and Mm -hmm. of like them wanting to be like them wanting to me to wear my sister's hand-me-downs and me just like wanting to wear my brother's clothes and, and like having just these, these few moments in growing up of like my grandpa taking me shopping and me shopping in the boy section and him never shaming me. Yeah. Like, which I, looking back, I never really realized that until after he passed away. So I never really got to tell him to his face, but like Mm. how special that was to be able for him to give me that space without judgment to get clothes that felt good to me. That's Um, cool. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's hard. Cause it's, you know, when you're a kid, it's hard to find your own identity because you don't have control and you don't have access like you do as an adult. And so it's Yeah. And especially back then, there was way more peer pressure to like fit into a a group and like, oh, I was in drama club and choir and stuff and all those people dressed exactly the same and all the like jocks dressed the same and all the like weirdo, um, gothy kind of people, uh, which are never weird to me. I always thought that they were the coolest people, but um, I just didn't have the like bazongas to uh wear all black and now i'm look i'm wearing all black black, i'm all grown up up. (laughs) but yeah i mean i think i think that's part of it is just trying desperately to fit in and i i think it's wonderful that that my daughter now doesn't have those same things going on like she you know she she definitely is identifying at this point in her life as like a straight young girl and uh, yet she wears, she looks like Patty Smith every day she goes to school, you know, she wears like a blazer and a tie and like she shops in the, she likes shopping in the boys department. She likes all the stuff that I like to wear and, um, you know, but she's crazy about boys and, you know, there's no, there's no sort of sense of like, she has to look a certain way or kids today have it a lot easier in that regard for mm-hmm. sure they have a lot harder things because of all the social media and yeah, all that kind of stuff. But at least they can shop in the boys section without feeling like they have to like hide and pretend they're buying something for their boyfriend, you know, Mm -hmm. which I did for a long time. Yeah. Boyfriend, brother. Yeah. I'd be like, Oh, do you think he would like these? (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Tidy whiteies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. That's really, really, really real. Yeah. And I, I mean that, that happened for me up until, about 10 years ago, I was still mm-hmm. going into the men's department thinking like, oh, is he, is he looking at me because I'm changing in the dressing room? Is like, am I safe? Is this like, okay? Yeah. I felt so much shame around it. And, and I think that, you know, it took a lot to get past that and be like, why? Why? It's clothes. It's hair. Who cares? You know, like, mm-hmm. You know, but I think a lot of that was from my like upbringing of like girls are like this and boys are like that. And mm-hmm. there was, there were no pronouns besides, you know, he and she. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it, or there was no absolute chance if you were even questioning, like if you were a trans person to, to even have that as a, as a possibility of being uh, something that you could do, <laughs> you know, that you could actually go to a doctor and and they would say you're healthy and you're you're fine you are who you are I I think that's so incredible that 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 has changed yeah 
Yeah, definitely. So it's, grateful um, that's changed so that other people don't have to have that same sort of pain and shame. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. yeah, for sure. And it, and your daughter's lucky that she's able to express to you, feels comfortable to express to you. Totally. You know, like what she wants to wear and feels comfortable doing it, to, you know, wearing it to school. I yeah. never did that. I would have been terrified because I was always told little girls don't do X. Yeah. Little girls no don't way. wear Y. And it's like, but I'm not, hey, I'm not a little girl. As, you know, as we know now, I'm trans, but you know, yeah. in the moment yeah, that's totally. how I was being raised. And mm-hmm. so it's just, um, yeah, it's really nice to hear that, you know. Yeah, kids it's have that kids, kids have that freedom. And I, I, I think obviously we live in a, um, we live right outside of New York City. So it's, it's not the same in places still in the South, especially and you know, different places in different countries or uh, in the United States, obviously under this administration as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not by any means saying that it's easy for a, you know, a trans person or a gay person or queer or however you identify. It's not it's it's not you know an easy road everywhere you know yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's almost you know it's like it's not easy and it's so much easier yep yeah and so you know keeping holding both and it's we, we're like we have so much more to do and we've done so much right well and the only reason why it's not easy is because of other people's ignorance so mm-hmm, totally that's that's the problem there is that other people are are the ones that have the problem mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're yeah. the ones that do you know say hateful things and do spiteful things and you know so we you just got to be who yourself though that's that's the you, you got to be who you are you got you have to be mm-hmm. it's, the, it's the most i think it's like the it's essential to living a fulfilling life. Like why, why not be who you are? Because somebody else, you know, is putting their judgment on you. Mm What did, how, what, what, what right do they have to judge you? You know? Yeah. They do shit that you don't understand. And, you know? Yeah. I love the worry about yourself phrase mm-hmm. that little girl on on youtube i always i always circle back to that worry about yourself worry about yourself this i don't know girl that, say, i love that <laughs> oh yeah you gotta uh google on youtube worry about yourself okay. there's a little baby like in the back of the car and she's like doing her own thing and her ch- dad is questioning her and she's saying worry about yourself worry about yourself <laughs> yeah i love that it's so, yeah. so simple and so profound at the same so time. profound exactly anyway i digress yeah. Um, so I mentioned in, in the intro that you have a new album out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, it's before I ask you a million questions about it, I just want to say that, so we had had um, an interview scheduled back in the day and then you were sick we and I was sick and then everything. I actually was sick with COVID. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I ultimately, I did get it. I, um, they thought that I had the flu and I went and I got tested twice for the flu and twice for strep and uh, my cough and my lungs kept getting worse and worse, even though I got put on all like the Tamiflu and the antibiotics and the whatever, nothing worked. Mm. And ultimately I had it for, uh, I was sick for like 15 days down with that thing. And then like the following week after getting better, they were like, 
oh, we're going to close everything down, uh, you know, because wow. everybody's getting this. But I was in L.A., um, and I flew back, and the day after I, I landed, I started feeling sick, and I had all the same symptoms. I had the ringing in the ears. The, I lost my sense of smell, everything. Wow. Yeah, so crazy. That is crazy. I, I was I, when I, I was really sick in January. Yeah, I remember. And I, I yeah, I won, I wonder if maybe. I mean, I, I have no idea. I've not been tested. It's for totally anything. possible. Yeah, it's yeah, totally but, possible. But I was down for a, longer than I normally am. So, mm-hmm. yeah. who, knows? Um, who knows? But anyways, back to exciting things like your album. Yeah, my album. So incredible! I thank you. To it a billion times. Thank you. And I literally listened to "Don't Give Me Hope" just oh, yeah. that one song on repeat. Oh, that's great. I I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a doozy. So I would love to hear from you, like what, what kind of made, what propelled you to write this album? Um, Mm -hmm. and like, kind of just like the, the background behind the scenes, behind the music of this album, Butch. Yeah. So a real quick story for the last, um, four years, basically I have been playing, on Broadway for Sarah Bareilles' musical Waitress. Mm-hmm. And um, what happened was I was living in LA um, and I was married and uh, I got a call from Sarah, who was a good friend of mine. Um, and she said, can you relocate to New York City and be uh, a part of my musical and it just so happened that I had um, my wife at the time had been a touring musician for years and years and years and like she had just basically been gone for four years and (laughs) right when I got the call to move to New York and uh, she didn't want to move to New York which was totally understandable we tried to have a long distance thing after many many years already of long distance Anyway, long story short, I moved to New York. She did not. Jumped to uh, two years after playing the the show in New York. I'm still in New York. She's still in Los Angeles. Things are not working. Uh, we have a very you know painful breakup. And um, yeah, I'm I'm like dealing with all those emotions. I've always been a writer, but I kind of took a hiatus from writing so that I could be more of a side person and play guitar and, and work in that um, kind of avenue of playing for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was going through all of these emotions of my marriage ending and dissolving, I, I kind of started writing again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had a, a dear friend that happened to live in New York um, that I reconnected with and I had been friendly with, but, uh, you know, we never had thought about anything beyond our friendship. And then after my marriage ended, we kind of fell in love and in this weird, (laughs) wild, wacky scenario where we had known each other for 20 years and I was her first client. She's a publicist. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, uh, I was her first client and she was my first publicist 20 years ago in Boston. So we reconnected, we fell in love and uh, she, because we had had this musical 
history together for so many years and we had always checked in with one another and I knew her her daughter as part of my life as her good friend you know mm-hmm. um that we uh she was like you have to start you have to do you have to do this you have to put out an, another record you absolutely have to put out another record why have you not been making this kind of music like this is who I know you as you're like a real songwriter and you've been doing all this like pop stuff which is cool but it's like not who you are as a writer you like came up with you know I came up in Boston with Lori McKenna and Josh Ritter Deb Talon uh, Anais Mitchell all these like incredible incredible writers and I was like totally in that club and then I just stopped I just stopped doing it so she was like kind of kept kept me on the train don my my now partner um kept me on the train of like it's your time like then uh waitress ended up getting its closing notice and so she was like what better time to release your own music mm-hmm. so over the course of the last year of waitress i basically finished writing this record and um i wrote a lot of the songs with don and um because she is such a good editor for me, you know, mm-hmm. we've known each other forever. We fell in love. We, she knows the ins and outs of like the breakup of my marriage because I was talking to her about it. Um, so she like really could understand what I needed to process and the, the kind of, you know, painful parts, but also the beautiful things that were happening. And um, so anyway, I, I wrote a record. It's very personal. Um, that's why I called it Butch. Mm-hmm. Um, the first song on the record is called The Ballad of the Butch. And it kind of tells that story of, um, you know, where I was and how I came to be in a totally different life, like four years later than, I, than the one I was living. And the one I was living four years prior was beautiful and had its purpose. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's uh, just life. Life happens. And you just gotta you you ride along and see where the the water flows next and mm-hmm. it took me to New Jersey, Maplewood, New Jersey. <laughs> and so now I wow. live you know, I'm engaged four years later, uh, to Don and I now have a ten year old daughter. So that's a whole new experience. And a and a baby daddy that lives mm-hmm. two houses down from us, <laughs> which is also a whole new experience. Um, but it's beautiful, you know, it's all, it's all beautiful stuff in the end. I think it's just about growing, you know, and sometimes you got to grow through some really hard things to, to evolve in, you know, I think circling back to like the coming out process. Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, that's, you always are hit with things in your life where you're trying to understand purpose or meaning and, you know, I think if you are authentic with yourself and you, you have, you go along for that ride, you know, it can lead you to really beautiful relationships and, and, you know, meaningful experience in your life. At least that's what's happened for me so far. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. That's, um, an incredible story. Um, so we, we, yeah. Um, we actually recorded an ally episode with Sarah Bareilles uh, oh, cool. a few weeks ago. It hasn't, right on. it hasn't dropped yet. 
She's um, my homie. That's awesome. She's so lovely and great. She is. And mm-hmm. um, have you met her friend Jeffrey Kidwell? He was in Waitress. I for have. A yeah. 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 I I do know him. Uh, for longer than a minute. I don't know why I said it like that. But um, hmm. so he was in the episode too. But anyways, I, I bring it up because he and I both separately thought that Sarah made up the phrase "the only way around it is through it." Ah, uh, yeah. And like, but because she says it. I guess often enough where we both totally independently thought it. And then we, he brought it up to her and she was like, I didn't make that up. And I was like, but are you sure? Um, But it just reminds me of what you're, what you were just saying too, of like, we have to like, just like push through those really hard moments, Yeah, but also like keeping our authenticity to like keep Mm -hmm. hitting these different parts of our life and like different milestones and different things that do bring fulfillment. Um, But it's tough. It could be tough. It can be tough. It can be yeah. tough. And luckily, I mean, I think the fact that I happen to have this musical outlet is mm-hmm. really helpful in me processing something as big as divorce. And, you know, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think that I'm just, it's, it's a lot easier when you have a, you can get it out somehow, you know, mm-hmm. get it down, get it out and, and, instead of holding on to it, holding on to, you know, disappointment or pain or heartbreak or, you know, it definitely helps to have a, if it's boxing, if it's, you know, Mm -hmm. if it's uh, journaling or meditating or, you know, if it, if it can somehow turn it, turn that pain into something productive and something ultimately that I hope that, you know, like you say, you're listening to that one song over and over again. Mm Mm-hmm. That's how, that's how music, I relate to music. I, I mark all these moments in my life through song, you know, mm-hmm. and if I, if it's not my own song, it's certainly somebody else's song. So, yeah, I hope that in, in uh, this record, like can speak to people. Cause I know that when I was going through the divorce, I was having like a hard time finding an album that like worked for me, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. all the way through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think this one has a, a little bit of that arc of a relationship, you know, the highs and the lows. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so I have some specific things that I pulled from the album that I wanted that how, how, how lucky is it that someone gets to ask the actual artist questions about the album, right? It's such a, such a treat that I get to do this. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Bring it on. Um, so well, the first question I had was one of your lyrics is like, mom wrote on your birthday card, life would be harder. Yeah. And then I was like, is that true? But I think it, I think it must be right. Well, it's, or it's similar. funny you said that because I had a really hard time with that line and Don, mm. Don pushed for me cause I came up with it and then Don was like, keep it, keep it. And I said, I don't want to hurt my mom. Like, I really don't want to hurt her. She like, you know, um, I feel like that's going to be painful for her. Mm-hmm. And and the fact is like, it wasn't a birthday card, but certainly, you know, she wrote me lo- a lot of letters when I first came out that said like, I, you know, I just don't want you to have a hard life and your mm-hmm. life is going to be harder as a, yeah. as a gay person. Mm-hmm. And, and it was funny. I, over Christmas, um, my record came out the first week of January and um, I was home at Christmas and I was playing the record and I, I wouldn't play that song. Mm. And my mom said, just let me, let me hear it. So I took her aside and I said, listen, there's a lyric in there that I hope doesn't upset you because I didn't mean it in 
it just like it happened to rhyme fit perfectly <laughs> and, like i know that like i you never she was never cruel to me mm. in in any way you know and we we ended up having a really great moment where she you know she was like i'm so sorry if i was ever terrible during that time and mm. she felt you know she felt emotional about it and, I, and we we were able to like we got something out of it in the end and and it was and that's about speaking the truth you know um mm-hmm. cuz that was really hard for me i mean i like i hid it from i hid it from her as long as i could like like i hid my tattoo from her as long as i could you know <laughs> like uh, cuz we have a very close relationship i love you know my parents very much mm-hmm. but uh yeah that i think that don definitely helped and pushed me to speak like freely in songs whereas before I would try to mask something with a metaphor you know and it would be fruity and flowery and it would be poetic but like it wouldn't like punch you in the gut and I think now I've been able to like really be okay with 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 saying truthful things in that in in song and you know not being afraid of the upsetting (laughs) piece of it you know because I'm always I'm a person that like constantly tries to like make everybody happy and protect other people's feelings and I would never want to be spiteful or you know I would never want to do that and um so yeah I think I think that that moment in that song was was a big breakthrough in my own writing and continued on through the record you know because of that one line it's well, interesting that you picked that. Yeah, yeah, that is that's yeah. really interesting. Uh, it really, yeah. really stuck out to me. Yeah. Um, and so the another another line that I like a, that I love is I fell harder than I probably should have. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Which is something I just relate to so so much, and I just totally. love that that's like in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're a lover or a fighter. I'm definitely a lover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. To me, uh, you know, some little sparks can can light pretty big fires. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is yes, that is a good way to put that. Yeah. Um, and then another another line um, that I pulled out because I every time I hear it, I'm like, yes, I love this. Um, I just want to be your man. Yeah. And I just I love it because well, because you're not a man. Yeah, that's. Yep. I think that's like the main reason, and I love totally. that you're playing with that idea of what it means to be a man and what it means mm-hmm. to be a woman or a human, and what we associate with that gender sure. and that word. Um, yeah. And so I just love. I love that a lot. I love that line too. When I when I wrote that, I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> nailed it." Yeah, you definitely nailed it. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other. I can't. I'm. I, I put together my notes so long ago that I can't know. I don't know exactly where I pulled this from, um, but it may be like your press release or something, but it's, mm-hmm. I'll just read it to you. And then you can tell me if you know, sure. so it says she's made mistakes. And obviously it's talking about you. Mm-hmm. She's made mistakes personally and professionally, and she's willing to admit it. And then there mm-hmm. in quotes, it says, I'm a grown up now. I have the courage to be honest End quotes. Um, she has always put her honesty into songs and put herself in her story at the center of her creativity. Yeah, that's um, true. And so I love that. But then I have in bold, what are these mistakes? What are these mistakes? 
Oh man. I think, um, staying too long in bad situations in personal, um, working relationships, harping too long on, um, I had some like things that happened to me early on in my career that were really upsetting involving like people that I thought were, you know, I was really close with. And, and then, um, because business got involved and money got involved, I was naive about Mm. those things. And I ended up like really, um, uh, getting scarred by it and, and, uh, having to take many, many years to sort of let it go. And, um, it really stunted me in, in a way. Uh, and I think that if I had been capable of mm, having a, maybe a thicker skin Mm. (laughs) in those moments, or if I had like not thought about, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing because you're dealing with in music, you're dealing with, this creative artistic element, but there's a, the business side is like so cutthroat. And, mm-hmm. um, when, you know, when you work with your friends, it can be challenging mm-hmm. if you don't set things up, you know, in advance, just learning about stuff like that, going yeah. into those kind of relationships and really like fogging up a lot of, of that, um, with people that I worked with, um, but also like giving a lot away of like stuff that not getting credit did for things that I had done and, mm. and being okay with it. Cause thinking like, oh, well it's going to come back around or whatever. <laughs> like, you know, mm-hmm. not this, you know, you got to protect yourself too. You got to, got to, um, look out for yourself and you got to work with people that are looking out for you instead of, you know, trying to get take, take and take and take. Um, but yeah, I, I think that I was just naive in a lot of ways about the business aspect of, of playing music. Um, and I think that for as many times as I feel like maybe somebody like screwed me over, I, I probably behaved badly as well. You know, like it, there's, there's lessons in everything. And I think if you can focus on the lesson, even if it doesn't seem like it's a lesson, as opposed to like staying in a position of like a, a I don't want to say victim because victim doesn't seem like an appropriate word, but a somebody, you know, like a why, why me? Like why I, I'm nice. Why am I getting like, mm-hmm. you know, I spent so much time on that crap and yeah. it just, it just doesn't, none of it, it never comes around in your favor. It always comes around if you focus on, you know, like trying to take a moment to like learn from a a difficult experience um, or just letting go of it, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, as a triple Libra is like really difficult for me to do. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah. Um, I had, I was going through a breakup. I'm going to see if I can find it without taking too much time. And I like thought of this quote that like kept me grounded and it was, um, learn from everything. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you ever have like seen these like quotable magnet things or yeah. cards and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I submitted it to learn to quotable, like as a quote and they, they, they made it, they made it. So it's yeah. like a magnet Woo! and a card and a tote nice. bag. Um, 
And that's actually, amazing. Thank you. Yes, because I really love that sentiment of like, shit's going to happen. I got to at least get something good out of it. And what can I learn from yeah, this one experience? It really is. And also like very much surrounding yourself with people that aren't just bad. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just like lame, you know? It's it's really it's truly a thing. Like working with somebody like Sarah, Sarah's awesome. She's like all love. She's all about like, you know, fair is fair and equal, like partnerships and you know, like there's just there's not a lot of drama happening around any anybody that Sarah's associated with. She just picks good people mm-hmm. and I feel really lucky to be, you know, in her camp. And I've learned a lot from watching her work with people that are more difficult to work with. Mm. I've learned a lot, a lot from her. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, well, I've learned a lot from her too, through her messages and her music. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and, and just the way that she, um, this doesn't need to turn into a gush about Sarah, but also it can, yeah. um, just the way that she shows up in spaces. Totally. Um, the way that I, of course I don't know her that well personally, but, um, but the way that she shows up in spaces feels so authentic and mm-hmm. doesn't take shit from anybody um, and really and, and does bring her authentic self um, a lot, which I yeah. really appreciate. And it's I think in true. her like Amidst the Chaos album, I feel like, at least in my opinion, is like yeah. the most authentic and the most like real of all the other ones because the other ones are amazing, but they're more like poppy and this is more like this is real stuff. Yeah, yeah. I get that. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Dig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now now that, um, according to this quote that I don't know where I got it from, you put your honesty into your songs and your, yourself in the story, in the, yourself and your story in the center of your creativity. This is true. Um, so how have, like, so now that this album is dropped, how have you noticed any kind of, like changes in the way that you're approaching music, like creating music. Um, have you noticed? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I, I think I was trying so hard to be some, somebody else in my music. And like, I went through this period. My ex-wife is a, like, she was a, in the Smash Pumpkins was like a total rocker. And like, I love that music. I love it. I grew up on it. Don't get me wrong. I love all kinds of music. But the fact is I was like from the get-go out of the gates, I was always like a singer-songwriter, kind of Patty Griffin-y, you know, like that sort of vibe was always my vibe as a writer. And um, I tried to write for pop bands. I tried to write for record labels that I thought wanted me to be this person, sound this way. I tried to write for TV shows. I tried to write, you know, like get on the trend just to try and like make it. Cause I mean, honestly, I've been doing this for 20 years now and I've been in in and out of every possible job in the music industry. I've been almost famous more times than probably anybody could ever imagine. Mm. Um, I've experienced like, the highs, the highest highs and the lowest lows. And mm. um, it's translated into my music because like, I don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> I just, Realize that if I sit down and I pick up my guitar and I put stuff down that's in my head, I write a great song for me. I'm patting myself on the back going like, holy shit, I'm a great songwriter. For the first time, like really, truly, I'm like, I can't believe this stuff's coming out of me. I'm like feeling so good about it. And I I feel great about my songs. I love listening to my own music. 
again. I'm like obsessed with myself. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. It feels good. You know, like, and I'm not like, I would love it if people love my record and like, I end up becoming like a more well-known as a songwriter than I already am. I mean, certainly of course, as an artist, that's all you want is for people to dig your stuff. But I dig my stuff for the first time in a long time. I'm so proud of it. I feel like I'm finally saying what I want to say. I'm finally writing how I want to write and recording the songs the way I've always heard them. And I, I really feel happy. I feel very happy that this is the kind of music that I'm making. And I'm finally like really, it's, it's become a joy to, to write again. And I can't honestly say that I've experienced that in years years and years I was always even like back when I in the 90s when I was signed to Sony and like I was writing for somebody you know I was writing for this idea of like oh this I'm PJ Harvey now I want to be PJ Harvey I want to be blah 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 and now I'm like I want to be I want to write this song I want to like this is fun what, what are we going to write next you yeah. know yeah I love that I love that I just like have chills of just like you or like, I want to write songs for me. And it's like, yeah. I want to write it for someone else. It's for you. And it's for me. Um, and it really just like listening to the album over and over. Um, it just, it's, it is, it's raw and it's incredible. And I just relate to so much of it. And so thank you. Uh, congrats on an incredible album. And I hope you become thank famous you. too, because yeah. <laughs> more famous than you are, because you deserve it. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I hope people like it. I'm, I'm really excited. I've already got another record full of songs that uh, I've basically been writing in quarantine with Dawn. Um, that's ready to go. So like we, we're like psyched. We're psyched to, to bring more music out and uh, keep on, keep on dancing while we're, staying inside and then hopefully once we start going outside again I'll be able to get around a little bit and play for people yeah um yeah I was so bummed to miss your concert at Rockwood that's when I was sick and I was like oh dang we'll do Um, another one someday I will definitely be there um so I hate to do this but I have to do this uh is to move us into our last uh like segment Sure. Which is like a really fun, silly, rapid fire questions. Okay. Um, there's no right or wrong answers except one, but you'll, you'll know it when you hear it. Okay. Um, first thing that comes to mind. So pencil or pen? Pencil. Acting or singing? Singing. Dogs or cats? No. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I love <laughs> animals. I just don't want to live with one. I, I hear that. Um, beach or mountains? Oh, beach. Um, meat or veggies? Veggies. Bagels or donuts? Donuts. Oh no! Really? Bagels is the wrong wrong answer. Yeah, that's okay. Come on, dude. I've been on Weight Watchers for two months. (laughs) Okay, so dying uh, over here. All right. Well, I take it all back. (laughs) Um, (laughs) train or plane? Uh, plane. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Night or day? Morning. Great. Um, and favorite kitchen item? Oh, that's really hard because, like, I'm a serious cook. Um, I would say my knife. Wow. That's a a good, good knife. A that's good amazing. Knife. That's what David Burke has said. His knife. Yes. So, that's- cool. Um, 
Meg, we, where can we find your album, Butch? How can we follow you on social media? How can we show you all the love you deserve? Thank you for saying all that. Um, You can find Butch. Actually, it's going to be re-released because I um, am going with a new distributor that's really, they like loved the record. And Mm. I was with another distributor that I could not get them on the phone. Mm. And um, so I'm working with uh, a new distributor. So the record's coming down for like 24 hours and then it's going to go back up and there's going to be like a new release of Butch. Um, through symphonic distribution so it will it should be on itunes spotify amazon all that stuff um and you can there's no there's no such thing as hard copies of it eventually i will maybe get some vinyl press but you can just buy it on you know your favorite platform and stream it and spin it around and you know Go for it. You can uh, find me at megtui.com or you can find me as metui on Instagram and megtui most everywhere else on social media. And yeah, you can find me in Maplewood, New Jersey in my basement for the unforeseeable future. <laughs> my Building my ISO booth. Yeah, which it looks great so far. I Thank don't know you. what it's supposed to look like, but it looks great. It's just me. a frame framing <laughs> of a room, so not um, too complicated. My dear friend and his husband... And their two kids just moved to Maplewood. Oh yeah, it's so great. Love I it will here. if you want new new gay friends absolutely in the, in the neighborhood. I'll hook you up. I love the gays. Yes, uh, yeah. they do too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Meg, thank you so much for being here and for pleasure. sharing with us. Yeah. Um, Thanks thank, for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for coming out. Cool, my pleasure. Thank you for coming out. Hey, it's Dubs Weinblatt, your host of Thank You for Coming Out. Thank you so much for listening with an open heart and an open mind. Please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice. And don't forget to rate and review us. It really helps.